Yo, 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 what is going on, my people, my kings, my queens, my brothers, my sisters, what is going on, um, what's up, y'all, I'm back at y'all, I told y'all I was gonna come hard, pause, I told y'all I was coming back to back, uh, um, so today, we, we got some things to discuss, so, um, today I want to, I, I was watching some YouTube and, um, you know, and people was talking about the hypocrisy of these journalists, these black journalists in particular, and how they don't, you know, I don't want them to stick up for us, but I want them to know somebody that's college educated, somebody that has a degree in engineering and communication. I want them to understand you went to a university or a little small college or a junior college, wherever you went. I would expect you to have some type of wherewithal to not attack black people. Because a lot of them do it. Um, Whether it be Madame Noir, the root. Oh, that's another one. That name is slipping. But the root, uh, Madame Noir, is a couple of them online. You know, whether it be media takeout, Bossip, or whatever it's called, or whatever, you know. All these are owned by black people. And what they do is perpetuate a stereotype of black people. So when you say something, you say you don't agree with such and such, they come out and they start attacking. So today what we're going to talk about is the old black media. Um, and when I say old black media, I'm speaking on these old journalists, people like Jamel Hill, uh, Stephen A. Smith, even though they only report on sports. But they have some type of influence within the, the, the sports industry. Not so much influence, but they have a voice, I'll say, in a platform. Um, so that's what we're going to be discussing tonight. And I'll give you guys, you know, some examples. Um, so tonight, I'm just going to discuss the hypocrisy within the old black media and how they reinforce uh, the dominant society and white supremacy. So, um, today I was on YouTube and you know, like I said, man, I always look at things. I always get my inspiration from somewhere. So I'm on YouTube and I'm like, all right, I need some inspiration for my next video or not my next video. Like I'm on YouTube. I mean, my next episode on my podcast. So I'm looking for inspiration, so I got it from this bro from uh, Kwame Brown. Um, and I think he's like the perfect example of how they destroy your character. They don't know this man from a can of paint, they only know him from playing basketball. But they've been talking about this guy for 20 years, destroying this black man in the media, calling him a bust calling them this and calling them that um when I look at Kwame Brown 
He had potential, but he never reached his potential. He never reached it because the organization, I guess, uh, the Washington Wizards at the time, Michael Jordan was like the GM or the president of operations, uh, basketball operations, I don't know. Um, but somebody can uh, correct me on that. Don't quote me on it. But whatever the case may be, Michael Jordan didn't really want Kwame Brown. He wanted somebody else, and I'm not sure who else that was. But whatever the case may be, the 2001 NBA draft, it was looked at one of the weakest uh, because it was like a lot of high school kids that came out. And actually, I'll, I'll research that now. And I'll give you a little background on that draft. So, uh, excuse me. Um, so Kwame Brown was the number one overall pick. Kwame Brown was the number one overall pick. Tyson Chandler was number two. Powell Gasol was number three. Joe Johnson was number four. Zach Randolph was five. No, I'm sorry. That's completely wrong. Let me go back. All right. Kwame Brown was number one. Tyson Chandler was number two. Powell Gasol was number three. Eddie Curry was number four. Jason Richardson was five. Shane Battier was six. Eddie Griffin, who I don't remember, um, was number seven. Um, I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's name. Uh, he was from Senegal. Um, he went to the Cavs. He was the center. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Rodney White, never heard of him. Joe Johnson was number 10. Never heard of Kendrick Brown. Vladimir Ramanovic, I remember him. Richard Jefferson was 13. Ramonovich was 12. Never heard of Troy Murphy. Never heard of Stephen Hunter, Kirk Hudson, Michael Bradley, Jason Collins. I remember him. Zach Randolph was number 19. Remember Brandon Hayward. Um, never remember. I don't remember Jason Forte, Jerry Sessler, Brandon Armstrong. Don't remember him. Raul Lopez. Don't remember him. Jared Wallace. Sam Dallenberg. Remember him. Jamal Tinsley. I remember him. Tony Parker. Trenton Hassel. I remember Trenton Hassel. Gilbert Arenas. Remember him? He was, you know, so I remember Okura. I remember him. Uh, I remember Earl Rodson. Bobby Simmons. Remember him? Remember a lot of these dudes, man, and they actually called this one of the weakest drafts, which, mm, in a sense, it was. Definitely was a weak draft. But anyway, I digress. But uh, I wanted to talk about how Stephen A. Smith dogged Kwame Brown. He was the number one overall pick. First off, that brother was, what, 18 and 19 when he got drafted. Um, it was immense pressure on this kid to 
perform. And one thing I noticed with people like Stephen A. Smith and these other journalists, and this could be just in life, they don't give you a chance to develop as a person before they start judging you. And this brother's 18, 19 years old. I never called him a bust. I just said he, he didn't live up to the number one overall pick. That has to do with playing time. That has to do with offense, where you fit in the offense. That has to do with organization and who's there trying to teach him. All these things factor into each other. And we never speak about these things. We just dog these brothers and throw them out, you know, throw them out on the on the limb like fresh meat in the jungle when there's a bunch of lions around. And that's how we do them. Well, that's how they do them. We don't give these brothers a chance to develop. Some people get drafted into a great situation. Kwame Brown didn't get drafted into a good situation. If you're getting took that high, nine times out of ten, that team is garbage. There's not a bunch of LeBron James. Uh, you know, that 2003 draft was one of the greatest drafts I've ever seen besides 96. And besides, I guess, 80. When did Michael Jordan get drafted? 84? Those were three phenomenal drafts. A lot of Hall of Famers came out of those three drafts. But you don't have drafts like that every single year. So for Stephen A. Smith, and he claims he knows the game of basketball. He played basketball. He covered basketball for 30, almost 30 years. Blah, blah, blah. He doesn't get it. He dogs. He dogged this man for. He, he dogged this man from 2008 up until now. It's been 13 years, and you're still talking about this man. And because he didn't live up to the number one billing, a lot of them don't live up to that number one billing. A lot of them, and there's way more white athletes that were bust besides Kwame Brown and that could be football and there's a lot of them in football <laughs> please believe me a lot of them in football never lasted Bos, uh, what's his name something Bosworth he was a just crazy looking linebacker that played for uh, the Seattle Seahawks back in the day never lived up to it he was a beast in college got to the league wasn't fast enough wasn't tall enough wasn't strong enough but they don't talk about him they don't dog him out but Kwame Brown has been the subject of jokes from other players and I'm not going to talk about these other players that was talking about him that's a story for another day but what I don't like about this old black media is they dog black men out and they keep saying, oh, I'm for my people. I'm for... They're not for your people. If you're doing white zaddies bidding, which is dogging black men out, then you're not, you're not for your people. Because one thing I understand that sometimes you have to cover certain things. Like, I'm in agreement that sometimes the first take or undisputed I'm in agreement that sometimes they have to talk about these subjects because it affects the sports world. Like when Colin Kaepernick, he started a conversation, 
they had to talk about that. But when you continuously talk about things that number one, you don't do your research on. Number two, you just speaking on it because it's something to speak about and you feel like you got this big voice on a big platform. No, it's okay to say, listen, I don't have enough facts on the situation. When I do get the facts, I'll talk about it at a later date or I'll talk about it in a later segment. But they don't do that. These are sports shows. I mean, sports is their focus. But it's a lot of things that I feel like they're trying to... And this is why the movement, to me, to me, shouldn't be on ESPN because, or with these big corporations, because it becomes commercialized. Like last year, the I Can't Breathe and the kneeling and, and all these other things, the Black Lives Matter all in the NBA. That stuff was a ploy because it all fell out this year. I didn't see not one remnant of it because they feel like they can capitalize off of it. And that's what it's all about, capitalizing off of black people's plight. And that's what happens. That's what they do. They don't actually care about black people in our struggle. They don't care nothing about it. And that's why I say I don't like the commercialization, the commercialization of Black Lives Matter or these movements or them discussing, you know, certain victims of police brutality. Because what they do is they commercialize off of it. They profit off of it. it. It's never genuine because if they see something Black Lives Matter, everybody hopping on that train because it's profit. So what the black, what the old black media does is they vilify black men. They try to down black men. See, this is what they do. All these, these, these websites and all these journalists, what they do is they attack black men they attack our manhood. They try to emasculate us. They try to make us seem like we're uh, we're over masculine. We're aggressive. We're thugs. We're this. We're that. Because Kwame Brown was responding to people that was talking about him. He didn't do nothing wrong to me. He responded to people that talked about him. I've never heard this brother speak from 2001 till up until now. The first time I heard him speaking was a few months ago when two so-called black men was laughing and joking at him. And when you sit up there and say, oh man, it's just jokes. Bro, a lot of people aren't, aren't that jokey type. And see, everything is not a joke. You can't joke on all black men. Well, such and such took it. Everybody, that man is entitled to feel how he's entitled to feel. I don't tell people how they're entitled to feel. You may have took it the wrong way, but I also have a responsibility to articulate myself well enough so you don't take it the wrong way. But I'm not getting into it because I don't want to, you know, go back and forth with this beef between these people. 
like the man said, it ain't no beef because if it's beef, the niggas got to roll with security. Niggas got to have guns 24-7. And we see as black men need to kill that thug image. But back to what I was saying, they talked about this brother for 20 years. He's never said anything. They dogged him up. So he starts speaking and he's aggressive. He's crazy. We don't know his mental state. You got to check his mental state out. And and these are black people saying this about this man. These white people aren't saying this about him. Because these white people, honestly, they weren't dogging him. I don't think that man was a bust. Did he live up to the number one billing? No, because of the likes of LeBron or the likes of Magic Johnson. No, he didn't live up to that. But again, he had to have some type of talent or skill to even be in the NBA for 11 years or 12 years or 13 years, however long he was in there. You had to have some type of talent because they took you and filled the roster up. I thought he played best with Kobe because Kobe was used to playing with a big man. Him and Michael Jordan weren't going to mesh because Michael Jordan never, he didn't play with a with like big men he didn't play with true big men he played with big men that were just there to be centers and there to take up space and grab a few boards like Kobe played with Shaq so he knew the importance of having a big man you know what I'm saying so he didn't really mess with Washington and I just think that Washington was not an ideal situation for Kwame Brown to go into because of MJ because of the team they probably had around him because of the coach it just wasn't ideal. So, um, but anyway, this man has been responding to these things. When you start responding and they don't like your responses, you're crazy, you're mental, uh, you got this going on they're trying to stop your momentum they try to tear you down and you're just talking about stuff that people's been talking about you and i've been kind of like watching his videos every day and he's been talking like some good stuff and he's really hasn't said anything that i don't agree with because we have some of the same talking points but again, I haven't, I never heard this man speak up until now. And he's not, he's not ignorant. He knows how to articulate himself. He was on honor roll his last three years in high school, but they don't speak on none of these things. He's supposed to go to the University of Florida now. I feel like he was one of them kids that, you know, one of them brothers that probably should have went to college. Some people are NBA ready, some people are not. Some people have to go to college to, to get NBA ready because they might be able to teach you the game in the NBA. I mean, in college, they might be able to teach you the game so that your game does translate to the NBA. So, oh, excuse me. I think is a lot of things, and Keyshawn Johnson alluded to this, that sometimes it's the situations that you're in that determines 
what kind of player you're going to be, especially if you're raw, if you're a raw talent, because that's what Colin Brown was. Somebody need you can't teach his height, you can't teach his strength, you can't teach height and strength, but you can teach foot. You know, they said he had pretty good footwork. You know what I'm saying? So it was just they needed to, he needed to be polished. His skills weren't polished. Nobody taught him that. So he was getting dogged his whole NBA career. And like I said, I thought he played best with Kobe. So that's just my personal opinion. But back to this, you know, the old black media. They dogged this man for 20 years. One thing I've never seen Stephen A. Smith, I never seen him go in on white people the way he does black people. And some guy on YouTube had these videos playing them one by one and making comparisons and things that he said. Stephen A. Smith one time said about Jim Ursay, who about uh, like seven years ago, he got into, he was driving while, you know, driving while impaired or driving under the influence. He had drugs on him, all this alcohol in the car. Stephen A. Smith said, whether it be prescription drugs or whether it be alcohol, that man needs some help. God bless him. Jim Ursay now, the owner of the Colts, he said, this won't affect the Colts because he's just the owner. He's not the GM. He's not the coach and blah, blah, blah. Then several months later, he's talking about Josh Gordon. A young kid that had a troubled past and that couldn't stop smoking. And he just needed the right help. He needed the right people around him. But Stephen A. Smith didn't offer no solutions to this brother. Didn't offer to help this brother. All he did was dog him every chance he got because the the man kept uh, relapsing or whatever the case may be. He he dogged him. I don't know what's next. I'm done with him. He needs to be. He needs to stay off the weed. He can't stay off the weed. He's gonna be doing codeine. He's gonna be doing Percocet. You didn't say any of this when you was talking about this owner that got caught, that was actually drunk driving. Josh Smith, Josh Gordon, filed drug tests for the league. He didn't get caught up in all that nonsense that Jim Ursay got caught up in. He didn't get caught up in all that stuff. But at the time, Jim Ursay, he's a damn near 60-year-old man. He's in his 50s. God bless him. Because he needs help. Josh Gordon is 23 at the time when he was talking trash about him. I'm done with him. He's on codeine. He's doing this. What else is he going to be doing? See, the comparisons, and this is where the old black media gets in trouble and this is why nobody respects them. Nobody respects the old black media because of hypocrisy, because of the buck dancing, and because they are the biggest sambos there ever was. That's the baby boomer generation. Now, with the with the exclusion of a few people, a handful of people, my dad, my mom being included, my uncle, and a couple other people I know, the baby boomers was a bunch of coons, man. They are so afraid to fight for something. They are so afraid to tell you to fight for something. Because if you fight for something, it's going to make 
them uncomfortable. You specifically fighting for something. A fight that they're not in is going to make them uncomfortable because they don't want to upset white folk. And I'm telling you, this is what they... I've heard my dad say this about people. People are willing to go the distance with you until you start upsetting white folk. That's when they stop. And that's what the baby boomers do. That's what old black media do. The Roland Martins of the world. The Steve Harveys of the world. Tom Joyner's of the world. One of the old media dudes that I respect so much, man, was Michael Bazin. And they took him off of air because he was on it, man. He he was so influential. And I was a young dude listening to him at 13, 14 years old because he actually had a message. He had a show. He had all this stuff going on, man. And he was such a positive brother. And they took him off the air. All the positive people that's not pushing uh, the, you should be married to your money agenda. They get rid of them. But they keep these these buck dancing big teeth having coons that's always smiling that's always you know you know Kwame Brown call them the go along the get along game and that's what they are they are the fake it till you make it people and I never could be that fake it till you make it because I'm not a fake person so I don't have time to be sitting around smiling and joking with people that I know don't like me but they do. And they're very proud of it. Steve Harvey once told Monique, you can't help broke people. Because you can't help broke people because if if all of us is broke, how we all going to win if all of us is broke? I can't win with me being one of the broke people. That's why I don't speak up for them. That's what this man told Monique. And I'm not a big fan of Monique. Because I think she be, she be, you know picking and choosing when she wanted to talk but I'm not going to dog that sister but these Negroes the old black media what they do is they trying to like you know people like Roland Martin he's fighting to get a job so he's always dogging black people. He's telling black people, don't think for yourself. You have no time to think for yourself. You just go out and vote. Brother, what am I going out and voting for? What policies are these people putting in place to help me? And when you ask them that, when you ask them what policies are they putting in place to help our people, they get mad at you and say you're starting trouble. Again, you're making white people uncomfortable. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. They don't care about, you know, all they care about is their bottom line. And and that's okay. But your bottom line doesn't affect me. Your bottom line doesn't move me it moves you your bottom line don't affect me it doesn't move me because (laughs) I don't care about your bottom line your bottom line is your bottom line 
my bottom line is fighting and, and, and let my people know that it's somebody here to fight the fight with them. Even if I'm on a smaller scale, I don't care about that. I love my people. I'm always going to fight for my people. Even when my people are lost and damaged, we got to fight for these people. You know what I'm saying? So we got to fight for these people. But one thing I'm not going to do, what we're not going to do is, we're not going to keep pushing this uh, hate black men campaign. A lot of them are pushing this campaign. So a couple days ago, probably like last week sometime, um, Chauncey Billups and Jason Kidd got hired as head coaches. I know everybody don't know them, but they're in the NBA. They got hired as head coaches in the NBA for the uh, for the Portland Trailblazers and the Dallas Mavericks. So everybody was applauding the hires, and ESPN took time out their day to bring up Chauncey Billups' past and Jason Kidd's past. Two of these things I did; these things I never knew nothing about. So. They spoke on this. And I'm thinking to myself. Excuse me. Why are y'all speaking on something? These these things that so-called that allegedly took place. These things allegedly took place over two decades ago. One was 20 years. The other one was 24 years. My question to ESPN, how is that relevant to these two brothers getting hired? And see, this is what Stephen A. Smith is on TV for. He wasn't there, unfortunately, that day. Because I would like to have heard what he said, but they made sure they didn't have him there. So, they had Kendrick Perkins, and I'm not a fan of Kendrick Perkins because he had some asinine takes on basketball, but that's his business. But he, he made a lot of good points. He was like, everybody has a past. We're not proud of our past. And if everybody was digging deeper, nobody would be nobody is proud of the things they did in the past. That's every human being walking this earth, black, white, brown, yellow, whatever, red, whoever. But black men in particular, their past always seems to get brought up because I have to throw dirt on the black on the black man's name because I have an agenda to push. Now, Chauncey Billups, he had some thing where him and a teammate, Ron Mercer, they allegedly raped some girl back in the day, but it like, you know, it was settled out of court. He was never charged for anything. And it's a it's alleged. He was never charged. So in my eyes, the shit didn't happen. They didn't charge him for it. So it didn't happen. You know, his biggest issue was he was tricking and he ain't paid. That was the problem. But I digress. And then Jason Kidd got in trouble in 2001 for hitting his wife. I don't remember this. And I didn't know nothing about it. And I'm glad 
because something that happened we don't know what happened and like they said if he was a repeat offender then yes he shouldn't be in the league but that was 20 years ago why are these things being brought up now when these brothers are breaking ground and becoming black-headed coaches Why is this an, an issue now? Because the thing about it is black men are a soft target in the media. Everything begins and ends with black men as far as the media is concerned. So this white lady is on ESPN bringing up all this stuff about Jason Kidd and Chauncey Billups. Kendra Perkins goes up there and says something very good and I'm shocked he said something good and then they had the other guy Dominique Foxworth he was reading a script they saw his eyes go back and forth um I'm can I say I'm shocked at Dominique Foxworth sort of kinda but I'm you know I can't say I'm shocked because he's on TV he's a sports analyst and these sports analysts, to me, especially black ones, they're always there to dog the black athlete. That's just my personal opinion. But Dominique Foxworth said this is not a good look in the, on the league because of Becky Hammond, a white woman. It's not a good look because she didn't get hired, but they hired Chauncey Phillips. Okay. I have a few questions about Becky Hammond. This is not sexist. This is just being real. Why can't Becky Hammond go to the WNBA and coach? Is that beneath her somehow? Why is she not trying to get a job in the WNBA? Ever since that Ray Rice situation with the media that brung the NFL, I think these other sports leagues are going out of their way to prop up white women in particular, because they're not propping up black women. They're propping up white women in particular. We're talking about Becky Hammond, where I want to know her credentials as why she should be a coach. She didn't win no championships. She wasn't an assistant coach. She was just one of those coaches that was sitting on the bench to hire her because of that Ray Rice situation. That was blowback from Ray Rice because I don't think she has the credentials to be a head coach of the team. But to say it's a bad look that a white woman didn't get hired and a black man did get hired because of a past thing that nobody knew about and nobody cares about anymore, they did the same thing to Nate Parker. bringing up his past about some woman that he allegedly raped and come to find out he was never convicted of it. If you're never convicted of it, then how is it, how does that make it true? Never brought up on charges. They never charged him with it. But somehow he's guilty 
in the court of public opinion. And as a black person, it's always guilty until proven innocent. It's never proven innocent until it's never innocent until proven guilty. It's always the latter. It's always guilty until proven innocent. With us. So they bring these things up about these two brothers after they get hired. I they never bring these things up when these dudes was players. These things were never brought up when they was players. And Kendrick Perkins said something good. He said when they was playing and they was putting butts in the seats, they were selling out arenas and they were selling out jerseys, they were selling food, they were doing commercials and so on and so forth. It was never a problem. But now when they get put in positions of power, that is when your past comes to light when it should never come to the light. Because it is the past. And they were never convicted. Neither one was arrested. Neither one was convicted. These are alleged um, things that happened. So why should I believe it happened if it's alleged? Oh, if it's alleged, you had... No, I don't. I don't have to believe anything. Until they prove that these things happened... I don't, I, 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 it doesn't matter to me because it's not proven. He was accused. He was never convicted of it. And that's the problem with things that happen. You can be accused and, and found guilty in the court of public opinion and, and go to court and have your day. This man never made it to court. None of these things never made it to court. Never convicted, never was indicted on charges of anything. But they're somehow bringing it up because a black man is put in a position of power. And that's what the black media do. The old black media, not the new black media. The new black media, and I didn't coin this phrase. This phrase goes to uh, Brother Jason Black of the, the Black Authority and Tariq Nasheed and Professor Black Truth. Those are their coin this term. But the problem is, why is it an issue when these two guys haven't been convicted of neither one? Why is it even being brought up? How is it not a good look? Because nobody knew about it. So you had to dig in the crates. Why would Portland even have to go back to something that happened 24 years, two decades and a half, almost two decades and a half ago? Why would they have to go back to something that happened a quarter century ago? So, why? Because it's it's cool to dog black men out. We are soft target in the media. It's cool to dog us out. It's cool to put us down. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and one other thing, I was watching documentary by the name of Buck Breaking from uh, the brother Tariq Nasheed and it's a great it's a great film by the way and when you watch it and I, I recommend everybody watch it it's a great film it tells you about the sexual humiliation that white men cause black men and they cause our women 
and it's, it goes deep into these situations about things that we have no clue about. So, Buck Broken Entertainment, BT, they another form of old black media. Because they don't do the youth summits no more. They don't do the spring bring, the spring bling no more. They don't do none of that shit no more. They've been stopped that shit years ago. And when they was actually positive. But BT, they had their awards the other day. Little Nas X comes out and dressed. All our celebrities are dressed like dumbasses. You got the lone white boy up there with a suit and shoes on. Looking normal. The rest of these motherfuckers is looking straight out of comic books. And I was trying to figure out why, why. And I and I tell you this. White people. They will never, ever. They always on cool. They will never show their men or their women in a negative light. They show us in negative lights. We can't dress. We're over-sexualized. So Lil Nas X gets on stage performing that corny ass song that he had. And then after the song, he kisses a man for about five, ten seconds. They doing this shit on live TV. You got gay people coming out saying, yo, you doing too much. Like, they already think that we sex crazy. Which I think they are. I think they have a mental issue. I'm talking about the ones that constantly have to tell you about their sexuality. I think that is a mental issue because you don't, you shouldn't have to keep telling me that you sleep with men or what you do behind closed doors with men. Sex is for behind closed doors. And as Brother Kwame Brown said, those those people that was in, in that generation where they was having six and seven kids, they said they was freaky as hell, but you never knew it. We have children, and they're telling us to tell our children about masturbation. Why? Why do I have to tell my child about masturbation? I'm not telling my child about that. They're too young to know about these type of things. There's other things in the world that they don't need to know about and that they do need to know about. They need to know about our history, but they want us to talk about sex with our children at five and six years old. No, hell no. And if you believe that you was born a certain type of way, hey. But you start opening up cans of worms when you start saying that. Because people are going people are going to start saying, I was born a murderer. People want to start saying, they was born dragons. They was born animals. And if you feel that way, hey, that's how you feel. That's your truth. That's how you feel. I don't believe it, but that's your truth. Because there's no it's no science behind that proving what you said. Everybody tell you to trust science except when it comes to nature. The natural order of things. Mother nature is the natural order of things. A man is born a man, a female is born a female. You were assigned that no, I wasn't assigned nothing. I was born a man. That's not, my sign my sign gender that came from a law that came from God that didn't come from no doctor I was born a man with a penis y'all can stop this what you would know I wasn't assigned anything I was born that way that's what I was born 
don't see what they're trying to do is they're trying to change everything. No, you didn't. They didn't assign me anything. I was born a boy, a boy who eventually grew into a man. Yeah, I, I, that's how I was born. My sister was born a woman, a girl that eventually grew into a woman. My wife was born a, a girl, eventually grew into a woman. So we stop saying what they they didn't assign me anything. God had already had it in his plans that I was going to be a boy and that's what I was born. The doctor didn't assign me anything. Everybody want to tell you about science, but when it comes to nature and all, oh, you know, that's not science. They want to tell you about the science of taking this, taking this, uh, this jab. It's, you got to trust science then, but you don't trust science when they tell you that you can't, that a man can't be born a woman. You ain't a woman trapped in no man body. Stop believing that crap. You just live in some wicked, twisted fantasy because you see all these women getting their breasts and butt done. That's what you wanted to do. But they're, you know, transgenders. They're not gay. Yes, they are. And they need. And, and one thing I'm gonna say about them: they need to stop. They need to stop tricking these people because the God just this this this, this kid. Killed, beat somebody to death because they catfished him, saying they was a woman. He get over there as a man. He beat him to death. You can't take away people's choice to say no, and that's rape, in my opinion. But tell you no, it's not rape. Uh, uh, why should I have to? Yes, you should. Why shouldn't you? Is the question. Yeah, you should. You should be honest and truthful. But they don't want to be honest and truthful when it comes to these type of things. And I know I'm digressing. I'm just saying. And, and this whole this whole thing. And the people say, no, it's not an agenda. Yeah, it is. Because you, you look at a couple people on TV. How I Met Your Mother. And Big Bang Theory. How I Met Your Mother. One of the main characters was a womanizer. But in real life, he's gay. They didn't promote him as gay on that show. Big Bang Theory. Main character, he's gay. They don't you don't know he's gay until he comes out and says it in public. Not playing his character. Why is that? But our characters have to be gay. The new proud family thing. The chick is born. She's some tragic mulatto who's half white and got a two gay dads. Why? Like, why does that even make sense? What are you trying to tell these kids? Leave these kids alone. I don't let my kids watch kissing and twerking. I don't let my kids watch that stuff because we over-sexualize our kids and then wonder why they're over-sexualized. We wonder why they're ready to have sex at 9 and 10 years old. Come on, man. Y'all gotta understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all gotta. People don't think these things. These things connect. They connect. Man, I'm about to get out of here, man. It's been a good thing talking to y'all. I got some inspiration. Maybe I'll have some inspirations for tomorrow. But until then, I'ma holler at y'all. I love y'all. Be blessed. Be safe. Mask up. Do what you gotta do. Don't take that jab. I'm telling y'all. 
But I love y'all. I'm out. Peace.